going to open the word of the Lord today and continue the series we're looking at with Old Testament characters. We looked at Noah, we looked at Abraham, we've looked at Isaac, and if you are paying attention, you know that we're going through the Bible in in the book of Genesis at least, in chronological order, but also biblical order. So today going to be looking at a story from the life of Jacob. Jacob, of course, the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, father of Joseph. Genesis 28, 17, but he also, or he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. I want to preach to you for just a little bit, making his house our house. Making his house our house. God bless you. You may be seated. I have traveled at various times through my life and ministry and sometimes more than others and One of the downsides of traveling is you have to stay in hotels, and I never sleep well in a hotel, at least not until the fourth or fifth night, and many times I don't stay in a hotel for four or five nights in a row, which means I just sleep bad the whole time. But there is a a, uh, commercial back in the day that many of you may be familiar with, that if I tell you the, the slogan that they use, you could probably tell me which hotel will leave the light on for you. Anybody know, anybody know what that is? Tom Bodette and Motel 6. I think I've stayed at a Motel 6 once. I didn't really care if they left the light on for me or not. That just wasn't my kind of place. I typically stay in various Marriott or Hilton properties or IHG properties because you get all these points, and then you get free nights. And... But everybody, if you travel, you end up in a hotel, but the purpose of a hotel is not to be a permanent place of residence, it is a temporary abode. That you're going there for a night or two nights or three nights, and then you're back to your house or you're on to somewhere else. And... It is just a temporary place of residence. A house, on the other hand, is designed and intended to be a permanent residence. And if you are in a hotel, you have to figure out where things are. You have to figure out where you're going to store your clothes and if they have enough drawers or they have enough hanging space. And if you travel with my family, they never have enough hanging space. When you go to conferences or conventions, then you've got to have all these dress clothes. You can just never have enough hanging space in a hotel. Actually, even in my house, I don't have enough 
hanging place in my closet or space. My, my wife has more than I do. In St. Louis, our house we lived there, she took the entire closet, and I had all of my stuff in the closet in the basement bedroom. Anybody, witness anybody? <laughs> but this house, it's designed to be a permanent residence, and you get familiar with it, and you know where everything is, and you know where the pantry is, and you know where all of the the hidden goodies are, and the various things, you, you just know. If you visit somebody's house, you're careful. You don't know where anything is. You don't treat it the same as you would your house. You, you show up and you wait for them to tell you if, they, if you can have a drink of water, or if you can get something out of the refrigerator, or if you can get this or do that, and you don't know where the bathroom is. and It's a lot of unknown there is a saying by the Hispanic community, mi casa, su casa, my house is your house. and It's designed to be, hey, whatever's mine is yours, you just make yourself at home. Just act like this is your house and, and just treat it like your house. And I, I would tell you that's probably not as prevalent in the Anglo community as it is in the Hispanic community. We're a little more like, this is my house, what are you doing? But I like the, my house is your house. And, and what I would tell you is God's house should be our house. That, that we should be familiar enough with His house and His place of abode that it's like we belong there as well. And we don't have to wonder where things are and how we should act. And we just know how to act because we're there all the time. Because it is our house. That it's not that we are visiting His house, but hey, this is my house. And that what God is saying in essence is, mi casa su casa, that my house is your house. Make yourself at home and come often and be there often. Jacob, the person in our story, he is a twin. He is the second born of a set of twins. His brother Esau came out first, but they are not identical twins. They didn't have the same personality. They didn't look the same. They're radically different. Esau was the beloved of his father, and Jacob the beloved of his mother. But even before Jacob was born, his mother already had a word from God about Jacob's life and what it would be. And Isaac didn't have that. But his mother, Jacob's mother, had that and she knew what he would be like and knew that one day he would be the one who was ruling and that the blessings would come. But Jacob, his name means deceiver or supplanter, one who is trying to take from somebody else, always looking for an angle, always trying to get something for nothing or get the best end of the deal. It's never a win-win for Jacob, it's always a win for him and a lose for somebody else. So when Esau is out hunting in the field and he comes back and he's hungry and he can't wait for the animal that he killed to be cooked, he smells the soup that Jacob has made and says, oh, I need some of that. And Jacob can't just give him soup because he loves his brother. He's like, well, I'll give you some, but you got to give me your birthright. Sneaking and being sneaky and Esau doesn't value his birthright. That birthright means that you get a second helping of the goods. If there's two kids, everything is split in three, and the oldest 
The one with the birthright gets a double portion of what the youngest gets. And with that birthright comes responsibility to be then the patriarch of the family and to take care of the family. And Jacob says, I want to have all of the goods. I want to be the one in charge. Later, when his father Isaac is blind and is thinking that he is going to die, Jacob and Rebekah, his mother, cheat Esau out of the blessing by pretending to be Esau and pretending to have killed the venison that Isaac was so desirous of. And Jacob is prayed for and he gets the blessing. But when he does and he gets this blessing and his brother Esau finds out about the blessing, then Jacob fears for his life. He knows Esau is a great hunter. Esau is a manly man and Esau can kill him in a in a fight, and so he decides through the encouragement of his mother to flee back to the land from which they had come. Flees back to Rebekah's brother Laban, and as he is journeying back to the land of his ancestry, he pauses for the night, he's tired, he lays down to sleep puts his head upon a rock to use as a pillow and dozes off. And it is this story that I want to spend the remaining time we have together talking about. It is this story from where I pulled the verse that I read and want to tell you this truth. That the house of God is essential to making heaven our home. It is not an option, it is not something that you can take or you can leave, but the house of God is essential to making heaven our home. I'm going to give you five reasons why we should go to the house of God from this story of Jacob. The first is this, the house of God is a spiritual place. As Jacob laid down to go to sleep, tired from his journey and needing to rest up for the next day. Puts his head on the rock, as I mentioned, and he goes to sleep. And as he sleeps, the Bible says he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth all the way to heaven. It's the reason for this ladder that's on the image behind me. It was a stairway, and then other versions of the Bible would say use it as a ladder that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down this ladder. It is a spiritual place when you are in the house of God. There are a lot of things that take place at church, community, friendship. We have fun depending on the occasion. I think we have more fun than you probably do when I tell jokes that nobody laughs at. But it's a place of community and friendship and fun and it's a place of singing and it's a place of learning the Word of God and it's a place of worship. But above all of that, it is a spiritual place. It is a place where we come to interact with the Spirit of God and the presence of God and and even understand that just like you can't see God, there are angels in this room. 
I don't preach about angels a lot, but the angels of God, the Bible says, encamps around about those who fear Him. And the angels of God are with us. They are ministering spirit to those who are the heirs of salvation. So whatever we need, angels of God are with us. They are accompanying us if we follow Jesus Christ. It is a spiritual place, and we come not just to have community and not just to have friendship and to have a good time, not just to sing songs, not just to learn, but we come because it is a spiritual place. And when Jacob lays down that night, he doesn't understand that he's in a spiritual place and he gets a dream. Dreams are not of your own making. You don't decide what you dream. If you know how to decide what it is you can dream on a given night, you let me know. I would love to do that. Now, I realize eating certain food is going to trigger certain things. But this, it's not a food dream. It's not a fear dream. It's a dream from God. And God gives him this dream, and in this dream, these angels going up and down the ladder, up and down the stairway. And he recognizes this is a spiritual place. The second thing I would have you know is this, that the house of God is not only a spiritual place, but it is a place where we receive a word from the Lord. It's a place where we can hear from God. It's a place where God can speak to us and tell us what He wants us to do and what He wants us to know and where God can give us a word of encouragement our word of admonition, a word of exhortation, just a word just to know that He is there, He is with us. Genesis 28, 13, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. He said to Jacob in this dream, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Jacob in this place that he would later name Bethel, which means house of God, God gives him a word and a promise that he says, I'm going to give you what I promised Abraham and I'm going to give you what I promised Isaac. You can be assured that I will give it to you. I will be what they, I was to them. I will be to you. Speaking by God and people hearing a word from God is common in the Old Testament. Every major character so far has had a direct word from God. From Adam and Eve, who walked with God in the cool of the day, to Noah, who's minding his own business, living righteous, and God speaks to him. Or to Abraham, who's in Ur, and he's going around and doing his own business and ignoring What's going on? And God speaks to him in that moment. To Isaac, who gets a word from the Lord. To Jacob, God interacts with his people and he desires to guide 
and direct our lives. He desires to give us words of encouragement. He desires to tell us what He wants us to do and what He wants us to know. On Thursday nights, the last two or three Thursday nights, we've been doing sermon-based, small group-style study where we look back at what was preached the previous Sunday and talk about it and apply it and dig into the passage. I have shared on those last two or three Thursdays specific times where God has spoken a word to me. And it's not always been at church. Not every time I hear His voice is it, is it at church. But what I would tell you is this, the most impactful and the most important, the ones that changed my destiny. They all took place in the house of God. It was at church when God would speak, sometimes directly to me and sometimes through others. It was God who would speak Answering the call to preach the gospel, it was a Sunday night service through somebody else who said to me, and he called me to the front, and he said, I see you as a little child dreaming of all the things you're going to do for God. And when the call came, you walked away, and I knew in that moment that God knew where I was, and I knew in that moment that what I had felt and what I had thought he was calling me to do, he was really calling me to do. confirmation of the call to preach in God's house. The call to come to Kansas City and plant a church took place in a church service. And the promise of God's financial provision took place in a church service. In a place we would call the house of God. The house of God is where God speaks and where we can get a word from God. When you have decisions to make and you have choices that you have to make and you're not sure what to do, you can find a word from God in His house. And when you show up in His house, say, God, I need to hear from you today. God speaks when you're in His house. And sometimes it's through the message preached and sometimes it's through others and sometimes it's just the still, small voice of God, but He will speak when you are in His house. The house of God is a spiritual place. The house of God is where God speaks. Thirdly, the house of God is where people find God. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. I came and I just stopped because it was a good place to stop. It was a good place to to sleep for the night, and I I didn't expect it, but God was in this place. I would tell you, people show up at church buildings all across this country and all across the world. For that matter, sometimes they just show up, and God will sometimes show up with them. They don't expect it. They don't know He's there. They're just doing what they think they need to do, or they're going through the motions, and God shows up. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I would tell you that this, there's nothing special about this building. 
It was a dirty, filthy warehouse. If you want to see pictures, I can show them to you after church of what it looked like before we moved in. People doing business here, doing a variety of things in this building. But when God's people came, it became His house. It is a place where people can find God. It's a place where people who are hungry and they're searching and they're looking for something, they can walk in and they can find the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They can find Him here in this place. And I would tell you, He is always home. What people would say about those who may be a little lacking here in, there, in certain areas, the light is on, but nobody's home. I would tell you, the lights may not always be on here, but God is always home. And you can always find Him here every Sunday and every Thursday. And whatever day you come, you can find God here because this is His house. It's not the only place to find God. A church building... Or a building where we hold services, it's not the only place to find Him, but I would tell you, it is the place where most people find Him. People that are searching and looking for God, they go to a church. They go to a place where God's people meet together because they expect to find Him in His house. Seek Me and you will find Me. And I promise whatever you're seeking from God, you can find it here in this house. Not only is it the place where people find God, and not only is it a place where people get a word from God, or where not only is it a spiritual place, but it is the gate of heaven. Verse 17, he says, he was afraid, and he said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. This was the text of the main verse that I read. That his house is the gateway to heaven. And he was afraid. He said, what an awesome place. And I don't have time to dwell on it, go through it, but the book of Proverbs would say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in one sense, it's not being afraid of God, it's awe and respect of God, but in another sense, there is a fear of God because He is the God of the universe and whatever He says goes. And disobedience is not an option. Jacob was afraid and he said, what an awesome place this is. It looked like just a grassy Hillside, it looked like just a place where there were some rocks. It looked like just a place where there were some plastic folding chairs and concrete floors. But it's the house of God. It is the gateway to heaven. Gates were the entrance into or out of various places, but they were more than that. In the Old Testament, the gates of the city served as protection it served as access, but it was the most important place in the city because it was the place where important business was transacted. Even in New Testament times, there was a, the Bema seat that would sit outside or near the gates of the city. It was the court for people to come and interact and have important decisions 
made and court cases heard and disputes settled. For Jacob, he says, this is the gateway to heaven. It's not heaven, but this is how I'm going to get there because God is in this place and I don't get to heaven except through Him. And so this is the gateway to heaven. I need to hurry. Lastly, the house of God is where dedications and commitments are made. Oh, you can make dedications and commitments any place. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be in His presence to decide to follow Him. You don't have to be in His house to dedicate yourself to living for God. But I would tell you that dedications and commitments are made in His house. Genesis 28 tells us the next morning Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against. He set it upright as a memorial pillar. And he poured olive oil over it. He took this flat stone that he was using for a pillow and he stood it up so that it would stand out. And he made it a memorial pillar. And he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. And Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me, and protect me on this journey, and if He will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my Father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything He gives me. God had promised him earlier, the night before, when in the dream He had promised him all of that, and That next morning when Jacob is taking the rock and he's making it a memorial and he's standing it up and he's he's pouring olive oil on it as a symbol of his commitment and dedication. He said, God, if you do what you said, then I'm going to serve you. If you do what you said, God, you will be my God and I will tithe to you. I will give you 10% of everything I make. The house of God is a place where we commit to serve God and we commit to give to God and we commit to living for Him. It's in His house where important decisions have been made. In my life and for many of you, it was at an altar. And we don't do altar calls the same way and we don't have altar benches. We just have a place we call the altar area. Sometimes I don't even call you to come to the front. I say, you can, you can make a commitment where you are, but here's the deal. We're called when we're in His house to make commitments and to dedicate ourselves to Him. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to commit everything to you. Most of the time, it's done in His house. Most of the time, it's done in His presence. When we've, we've heard a message preached in His presence, the Spirit of God would come in. We commit and dedicate ourselves to following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The house of God is essential to making heaven our home. When we're in His house, problems are fixed and healing occurs. Families and marriages are restored and salvation is found and 
destinies are changed. We have an audience with the King of Kings. That when we come to His house, we can guarantee that He's going to be there. That we don't have to wonder if God's going to show up. He's always in His house. Why should we go to the house of God? Because it is a spiritual place. It is a place where we receive a word from the Lord. It is where people find God. It is the very gateway of heaven. And it is a place where dedications and commitments are made. But there is a little change in the twist. We've already actually read the passage. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Surely God is here, but I didn't know it. I wasn't expecting it. I was just going through the motions. I was just doing my thing. I was just punching the clock. Understand this, that God can be found in His house, but He can also be missed. That people can show up in the place where God is and not even know He's there. Not even know that it is His house or that He is present. So how is it that we miss God? We miss Him not because He's not here. We miss Him not because He's decided to take a Sunday off. We miss Him not because He was too busy doing other things, but we miss Him because we can be distracted. We miss Him because we can be busy thinking about other things. We miss Him because we can be concerned about what else is going on after service or what else is going on in another part of the building and get distracted. We all have problems and we all have things that weigh on our minds. We all have things to do when this service is over. But I would implore you, don't miss the King of Kings because you're distracted. Don't say as Jacob, it was, this is the house of God and I wasn't even aware that He was there. We can miss it when we're complacent. We can miss it when we just go through the motions. We're just showing up because it's expected or somebody wants us to. But when we make His house our house, then every time we get together, every time we come to this place, God is present.
And I don't know if you feel what I feel. I can look at faces and see some who are aware that the King of Kings is in the room. My admonition to you is this. Commit to being in God's house at every opportunity. They used to say every time the doors are open, I I get life is busy. I get that we travel. I get that we have work. I get that there are other things. So I wouldn't tell you you're wrong if you sometimes miss. But I would tell you every time you're able, show up at his house. Because you never know what God's going to do. You never know when you're going to get a word from the Lord. You never know when you're going to have him interact with you and bring healing and bring restoration. You never know when he's going to do something great in your life. Would you bow your heads? Father, we need you today. We need you today.